Hi, this is Mark Rabin from Kinexus, and I want to welcome you to today's webinar. It's titled, Learning to Lead, Leading to Learn, Becoming a More Intentional, People-Centered Leader, and it's going to be presented by Katie Anderson. I'm really excited Katie's here. She's a leadership coach. She's a consultant. She's a speaker known globally for her approach to helping individuals and organizations lead with intention. She's the founder of KBJ Anderson Consulting. She teaches leaders at all levels and organizations of all sizes how to connect and align purpose, process, and practice to achieve high levels of performance. Uh, she's moved around quite a bit. She's a California native, and that's where she's joining us from today. But she's lived in the UK, Australia, and Japan. She regularly, uh, she has been leading study trips. We'll look yeah. forward to this starting um, again in the future. But you know, for leaders, um, she's helped leaders who are looking to deepen their knowledge of lean practices in Japanese culture. Katie has a BA from Stanford University, was a Fulbright Scholar to Australia. It was another country that she had. Um, she received her master's degree from Sydney University, and I'm, I'm glad to call Katie a friend. We met probably going back about 10 years ago, I think, through the Healthcare Value Network and, and lean healthcare um, efforts. And um, I'm thrilled that Katie's first book is coming out. Um, it'll be available in July. You can pre-order it. You can find it on Amazon. And that is, as it correctly says on screen here, learning to lead, leading to learn. Um, yeah. And the subtitle is Lessons from Toyota Leader Asao Yoshino on a Lifetime of Continuous Learning. So um, again, Katie's in uh, San Francisco. She has a husband, two sons, a dozen chickens, and hundreds of Daruma dolls. Yes, we're in Miami. Yeah, they're all right back here. So, and I've got um, I've got a little one that Katie had given me uh, a while ago. So it says yeah. hello um, back to you. Um, so with that, Katie, let me go ahead and hand things over to you and your presentation today. Great. Well, thanks. You did a, a fabulous intro, and it, it has been about ten years now. We met when I was uh, working at Stanford Children's Hospital, and I think you might have been in your uh, role at. LEI? We, yes. Okay. So it's great. So we, Mark and I go way back and I started learning lean actually when I was working in healthcare. I started my whole career in health policy and then um, hospital and healthcare operations. And from that developed a real passion about developing people um, in all different industries so that we can really serve to make the world a better place. Um, and I've come to really understand my purpose is about helping other people um, live and lead with an intent with intention and I'll tell you a little bit more about that, what that word intention means to me, and then also how it relates to the book where, that I'm going to be sharing a lot of lessons from uh, the learning to lead, leading to learn. Uh, and Mark just popped up as with, with his mask on, which was a little surprising. Oh. <laughs> it's great. Your, co your COVID, oh. COVID face. I'll, I'll just uh, turn my video back on. Sorry. Okay. That's all right. Uh, uh, and I'll, I'll just start talking about this. Mr. Asao Yoshino, for those of you who don't uh, know him, is a 40-year Toyota leader. He's in his mid-70s now, and he lives outside of Toyota City near Nagoya in Japan. And he was John Shook's first boss at, um, at Toyota when John Shook was the very first non-Japanese employee of Toyota Motor Corporation. And I'm going to spend some time today actually talking about uh, the concept of how do we change culture? How do we create culture? One that Toyota is known for, both that um, it's to uh, learning culture and it's people-centered culture. So we'll be sharing some stories here today. But I wanted to give you a little background. Some of you may know this already, but this is a picture from April of 2015. I had just moved to Japan. This is my husband on the right. And this is our, our selfie on a day that I thought was going to be a once in a lifetime experience. I had met Mr. Yoshino about six months before at a conference in California. And he said, well, when you come move to Japan, we just found out that we were going to go to Japan for my husband's job. Uh, here's my card, look me up and I'll take you to uh, Toyota and Toyota city. And so of course I was beyond excited by this opportunity being a lean practitioner and uh, the whole opportunity to go to Japan was just mind blowing to me. So here we were, we jumped on the bullet train and visited Mr. Yoshino. And this one day, um, spending time with this amazingly insightful and caring man, I knew that I needed to spend a lot more time with him. And I made it my mission to spend as much time with him as possible. Every like two months, I would travel down on the bullet train and spend the whole day with him. And we just talk. And he allowed me to uh, 
write about our conversations on a blog. And Mark was so helpful in me getting started with my blog when I first moved to Japan. Anyway, fast forward, uh, we're five years past then, and Mr. Yoshino is one of the most important people in my life. Um, he's like my Japanese dad, and we've written a book uh, to document his experiences of learning and leading at Toyota. Or rather, I've written the book, but it's he's been um, a, it's, it's about his experiences and the, the insights that I've learned from our conversations, both from his experiences, but our shared reflections and learning have been so powerful. And so I want to share some of those things with you here today. And I'm taking a slightly different angle. I've been doing a few webinars lately, but I wanted to share a few new stories too uh, with you, particularly around two experiences that he had at Toyota, where he was really working uh, from an organizational perspective to set culture at Toyota. A lot of us think, you know, if we hear of a Toyota and Toyota production system, we think, wow, it's sort of all just happened. Yes, there was some intention, but uh, around it, but it was you know, more organic with the leader as coach and developing people. Absolutely. That was a really core part of uh, learning to lead and uh, at Toyota, but there were some intentional efforts as well. Uh, one was a program called ConPro and the other was when uh, Toyota decided to expand to foreign markets such as the NUMI program. So I'm going to share some stories that Mr. Yoshino has imparted on me and a lot more details are in the book, but um, that's sort of the overview of us here today. And this is a picture of Mr. Yoshino and me just in January. I was back there, it seems like a lifetime ago at this point. Uh, my hair has not been cut since then. So you can see the time, you can see the time there. And uh, I was planning the, my trips that were going to be in May and October this year. And as we know, everything, our world has all shifted, but uh, it was so great to be able to see Mr. Yoshino in person. And one of the highlights from, or one of the sort of the meta story of our book is this concept of learning and reflection and, and how we may have experiences in one moment, but it's with perspective and going back and examining things that we can really learn and relearn from another angle. And so um, as it relates to the book, we're, we had this opportunity to really learn and help another leader relearn some really important lessons and then how do we take that forward to our future and i've been thinking about this concept too in our in our covid world about we're in the thick of this crisis this pandemic and sometimes it's hard to raise our head up to think about what are we learning but as much as we can be reflective in the process and think like what are we learning what do we want to take from the past what do we want to bring to the future um, it's going to really help enable us to create a new and, and better way forward so, uh, and that reflection's the beginning and not the end of learning. So if we think of this PDCA cycle, we often think plan and then do check adjust, but it really starts with the adjust, the, the, the study adjust in the reflection part. And that's what creates our learning. So um, looking back is as important as looking forward, but it's important what we do with that action. And uh, Mark mentioned Daruma dolls. You can see a small um, collection of my Daruma dolls here. I actually imported uh, many small little ones because I, I give them away all the time in person. I'm going to have to figure out a different way. Uh, but I want to share with you my my special Daruma uh, that I had made last year in Japan. And Daruma dolls embody this Japanese proverb, fall down seven times, get up eight. They're weighted at the bottom. This is a paper mache doll, and it, but it will write itself back up. It's about persevering and moving forward. And um, you fill in the doll's left eye, like it shows here, when you have a goal. And it's a reminder that you are going to fall down, you're going to fail, you're going to stumble. But how can you keep getting up and keep trying, learning and trying and moving forward to achieve your goal? And this Daruma actually says intention on the bottom. Uh, and I think about that for us here too. There's been so many times, like for me, I've fallen down writing this book and all of us falling down um, in many ways right now. But how can we get up and move forward and persevere? And so many of the stories uh, that Mr. or I, they're not necessarily stories. Mr. Yoshino's experiences in his life and his career were really about hard times and falling down. Uh, but it's about also getting up and continuing to move forward. And then uh, he, he says, failure isn't failure if you've learned something. And so how can we reframe these times that we've fallen down to be learning opportunities and to help us um, not just get stuck, but move forward? And then this word intention I've brought up a lot. And, I, in, and it's in the title about becoming an, an intentional people-centered leader or an intentional uh, people-centered culture. 
the word intention's always been very important to me. And when I moved to Japan, I, I didn't have a logo at the time. So I had uh, this word intention put on my business card as my sort of pseudo logo. And these are the, the symbols. The shi in ko is how it's pronounced. And the lower part of this first shi symbol comes from uh, a character meaning heart and this one meaning direction. And I've taken this to even have a greater nuance about intention. It's about connecting with our heart, what's important here, what's our purpose, um, what's essential to who we are as people, and then how do we align ourselves in that direction? So how do we orient ourselves? Um, actually, this is, you know, Hoshin Conry. It's the same, uh, it's the same direction symbol there. So, and I see this about leadership too. How do we connect with what's important of, in our role as leaders? And then how are we aligning our behaviors? Because sometimes we may have an intention for our actions. We're wanting to be helpful, but what we are doing actually isn't in service of that. So I'll talk about today some ways that you can bring some greater intention to your practices in service of creating a purposeful and intentional uh, people-centered culture. Uh, so, and, and please, we will have some time for questions at the end. And if we don't get to them all today, uh, Mark and I'll figure out other ways to answer them. So please keep putting in the questions for, for me. Uh, this concept of respect is one that's really important at Toyota. And this early quote from Mr. Yoshino, it must've been one of our first conversations. He said, you know, if I'm asked what makes Toyota one of the top ranking auto makers, it's about, we make people before we make cars. Um, and so much of his experience is really focused on that. This is what people-centered leadership is about. Yes, we may provide services. Yes, we may make things. But first and foremost, we're focused on our people in service of doing that. Uh, and that's what respect really means. So today I, I put in some quotes from the book about developing culture because, well, it's the topic of our, of our session today. Um, but it's also really important. We always, we often hear, you know, organizations say we want to change our culture. We need to create a culture. And uh, this is a quote from when Mr. Yoshino was talking about his experience in working. He was in charge of developing the training program for the NUMI group and team lead managers who were coming out, the, the former GM team and group leaders who were coming to Japan to learn about the Toyota production system. And he was tasked uh, with and his subordinate, his one of his staff members was John Shook and about seven other people to develop this training, training program. And he was told uh, sort of your goal is to change the culture. And he was like, this is a huge, how can this possibly be my, my, my goal? We can't change the culture. And he realized, no, they can't, culture is changed by the people themselves. But what he could do was set up a situation that allowed them to learn and enabled the experience for them to change their own behavior and attitude. So when we talk about changing culture, it's really not about, you can't set out to change the culture. You have to set out to change the individual roles, expectations, behaviors, and patterns, which then becomes the culture. And so our role as leaders and as coaches is not to change other people, but to help them change and in service of creating a broader culture and network of, um, of the habits and behaviors that we want to see. So with that, um, this is my, the, I, I'm going to anchor us on this quote to talk about what are the actions that we can take as leaders to help uh, develop this type of culture by developing people, each individual one at a time. And the very first time that I heard Mr. Yoshino speak, I actually, I didn't know who he was, although in looking back, John Shook acknowledged Mr. Yoshino was one of the two managers who taught him about A3 thinking in uh, his the introduction of his book, Managing to Learn. And they were on stage together and talking about their role as manager and subordinate. And this is what Mr. Yoshino said. And really, to me, struck me as very profound about the role of a leader. And, and I sum it as three points, that a leader's role is to set the direction provide support, and develop yourself. And if you can do these three things, you are going to be able to create a real people-centered culture. And it goes back to your intention of, of who you want to be and, if, uh, and, and how you do that. So I want to share some stories from Mr. Yoshino and some of my shared reflections about what that means on each of these three elements. 
So the first of the leader's role is to set the direction. So providing a challenge or direction or target. And so often, you know, when I'm coaching other people, I'll say, well, what, what is the target? How should things be? And uh, people don't actually know what the real target is. At Toyota, it was very clear always what, uh, you know, what, what the target was. And if they didn't have a target, they knew they needed to create one. And uh, having a, a challenge or a direction helps us all move in the same direction. And Mr. Yoshino has talked about how the process of Hoshin Conry about setting targets from the very top and, and cascading them down at Toyota is what he believes has really enabled the, the company to create this learning culture, but also succeed in its mission. But targets were not always, uh, you know, always totally clear. And this is when Mr. Yoshino was talking again about this NUMI, the NUMI training program that he was set out to change the culture for. He was a little overwhelmed thinking, well, what is my target? You know, changing the culture can't be my target. And he decided that he needed to just create a target that was uh, real, not just realistic, in service of what needed to happen, but actually reflected what his group was doing. And so he came up with sort of some imperfect targets, but it was in, in the right direction. Um, and he, he said that, you know, you have to be, it's more important to be practical and directionally correct than being precise because we spending weeks and weeks just uh, trying to figure out the perfect, perfect target is worse than doing nothing. So if you can choose something that's directional, you will learn as you're doing, and then you can get more refined. Uh, so for himself, he chose he chose to um, focus on did people were people learning something that they could come back and apply when they went to back to California to the newbie plant, and did they have a positive experience? And to him, if he if people had a positive experience and felt like they learned one or three one two or three tangible things they could take back that was going to be the success of a training program that would be the beginning of them changing their culture. And he always thought it was kind of silly, but uh, it was practical and directionally correct. Uh, and then also targets should be determined by what's needed, not by what's achievable. So yes, that was an achievable target, but it was really about what was needed in the organization. Um, and, and sometimes we, we set targets just because uh, like a, a much lower target than what's really needed in because our, you know, maybe our compensations tied towards it, but really what is needed for our customers and our people and then uh, setting challenges in that way. Mr. Yoshino also encourages uh, to set seemingly impossible targets because that's what encourages us, us to learn because it's the lessons you learn from not necessarily reaching your target that make you smarter. Now you also have to have a, uh, an environment and uh, leadership mindset that failure is okay if you don't reach your target. And so sometimes I think we set up in the West um, systems and structures that don't, that don't support this. So how can we as uh, senior leaders in organizations create the systems in, 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 that enable us to set challenges that allow people to learn and fail and, and really create this learning organization? So in addition to setting challenges and targets, it's really important also to, um, to nurture people. And this is where the, the providing support role comes in and the real, real people-centered uh, people-centered part. If we only have challenge and are focused on achieving sort of outcomes in the organization, we aren't going to succeed in creating a really people-centered culture. And that, um, as Mr. Yoshino said, is the, the heart and core of what Toyota is all about. It's focused on people. I don't know if any of you have had a chance to read Mr. Uh, Toyota's recent uh, statements on the, the, the state of Toyota, but at the end he said that the, the Toyota's new mission is, is to focus on people's happiness. And uh, this really gets back to this concept of nurture. And interestingly enough, he considers uh, a gentleman uh, in Japan who is the, form, the founder of a company that I take uh, tour participants on who set his, his purpose of his company was to, to create happiness in their people. So I think it's interesting now we're hearing that language from Mr. Toyota as well. So we have to balance challenge and nurture. And so how as leaders, and going back to this concept of culture, how do we not just focus on this bigger amorphous, we need to change the culture, but how do we help people change themselves? And how do we provide that support? So one of the ways to do that is to set the conditions 
um, for success and take responsibility for when mistakes happen. And there was a really seminal experience that Mr. Yoshino had. And by calling him Mr. Yoshino, you're now probably thinking of that mid-70s guy of the photo that I shared. But uh, this is a story about a 22-year-old Sal Yoshino just out of college. And he was in his orientation program at Toyota, which was more than just a one-day you know, intro by, by human resources. It was a uh, almost four-month-long program that included uh, four weeks of classroom training, and the rest was on the shop floor in the Gemba. And that may be surprising because Mr. Yoshino was not a, he was not going to be a shop floor manager or worker. He was going to be a back office worker working in production control and then later in uh, more education and training roles. But they felt that going, having the real experience of the production, what they were making cars and understanding those experiences of the people they would be supporting was invaluable. So 22-year-old Yoshino was assigned to the paint department, and he had to pour different paints, uh, the paint in the, in the um, oh my gosh, well, I'm forgetting the name, the, the, mixer, the mixer in, uh, the solvent, in the same container. Anyway, long story short, it was boring, and he, he, uh, he started to stop paying attention so much, and about an hour later, one day, uh, after pouring in the, the mixtures, someone came running in from the shop floor saying that the paint was not sticking to the cars. And there's like hundred, at least a hundred cars off the line. We're going to have to be repainted. It's like a big deal. And young Yoshino was thinking to himself, Oh, I think I made a mistake. Uh, but, and this is what's so, it was so mind blowing. He, he remembered this experience um, two years ago when we were starting to do our, uh, our, our interviews for the book. He hadn't thought about this in years. And, he was he was remarked later how how really it set him on a trajectory of 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 leadership and and what Toyota is really about. But anyway, his the shop the paint manager came and instead of yelling at him, which I think might probably would have been the case in many uh, many organizations that we know, he asked Mr. Yoshino to um, show him what happened, and Mr. Yoshino did. He poured you know showed what happened, and then everyone realized that he he'd mixed up the cans, and the manager instead of being mad at him. Instead of yelling, instead of blaming, he said, I'm sorry. And not only did he say, I'm sorry, he said, thank you for making this mistake. We did not set up the conditions for you to be successful. Those, the paint cans looked very similar. And this gives us an opportunity now to, um, to make improvements into the workspace. So not only did he say, you know, I'm sorry, but he said, I'm thank you, said thank you. And like, what a totally different experience than uh, we, we hear so often about, even just with with small mistakes. And I think about that even with when I'm parenting with my small children, I have a six-year-old and a nine-year-old. Do I leap to blaming and being mad or do I really try and understand uh, the process that went on? And um, is it my responsibility as the leader of the family to set those up? So I encourage us when we talk about being able to, you know, we're setting a challenge, but we, we need to allow people to fail and learn. How, we ha- how are we setting a culture leader by leader with the expectation that the leader's responsibility, the manager's responsibility is setting the conditions for success. Now, it doesn't mean everything has to be blamed on the manager either, but how do we create this, this culture of support where we're really looking at the process um, that, that supports the work? So it's so, so important. And what, a, what an incredible story and experience for Mr. Yoshino at the very start of his career. And interestingly enough, too, uh, the very end of his career and, and we spend a lot of time in the in the book talking about this was a much bigger failure on his his uh, his part where he was responsible for a thirteen million dollar uh, motor boat water ski boat business uh, which was a big failure. But I think it's really interesting that Mr. Cho, who was then the president of Toyota, said to him, "This is not all your mistake. This is not all your responsibility. We too had a role in this as well. We were new. You were new to the boat business. We were new to the boat business." And there are mistakes we all made. And so, you know, we're giving you a, a good new role in the organization. And I just thought that just showed that chain of this, this, uh, this spirit all the way through from, you know, the 60s all the way up to the 2000s at different leadership roles uh, and really, really powerful. So then the third is another element is teaching the process of learning. So if we want to create a people-centered culture, one that's all about learning and development, we also have to make sure people understand what are the ways that, what are the right ways to learn. So teach people how to learn. 
and that, and I really see that as a leader or a coach owns the creating the conditions for the learning, not for the learning itself. Uh, and there's a story that Mr. Yoshino tells, has told me, and it's in the book as well about how uh, when he was, this was probably mm, he, 15, 10, I don't know, maybe 10 years into his career at, at Toyota. And so he's in his early thirties and he was asked, he was now in the, to- the Tokyo office and he was asked to, uh, he was asked to prepare a report for the head of the division that he was working for. And the big boss um, gave him a week to do this. And Mr. Yoshino, like many of us often feel felt a little under time pressure. And he, Mr. Yoshino said he had learned from his previous roles because he was out supporting production control uh, in Toyota city. So he would used to go to the Gemba, go to the production floor and, and learn by going to see, uh, he didn't feel like he had time for that. So he just went to the library to pre- prepare this report. And he knew he was like, I'm cutting out going to Gemba. I'm, I, I don't have time. I'm too busy. So he prepared his A3 report and went in to present his report to the big boss in the big boss's direct reports. And he calls them the big boss. And uh, he started to give his presentation of the summary of his, of his findings. And the big boss said, wait, did you, did you go to Gemba? Did you go talk to all these, uh, you know, all these other companies? And he said, no, I, I, I felt like I didn't have time. So I just went to the library. But I think that the library had all the information I needed. And the boss said, time out. No, you cannot present your report. I will give you one more week. You need to do this right. Going to the Gemba is how we learn. And so Mr. Yoshino was pretty embarrassed because, you know, he was in front of all the big bosses. But so he, so he made time that week to go to talk to some of the other organizations that he needed to um, for this report. And he found that the information wasn't any different than what he found in the library. But he went back a week later to give his presentation. And the, and the boss said, thank you, Mr. Yoshino. This is exactly what I wanted to see. Um, and he later found out that uh, Mr. Yoshino later found out that the big boss never expected the information to be different. He cared about Mr. Yoshino was learning the process of learning. He was not, he did not care so much about the outcome of, of the, of the report. And uh, really strikes me as, is so as really important too. So how are we uh, not just telling people what to do, but telling them the process of learning and then allowing them to experience that and so, and, and how do we hold true that that's part of our role as leaders is to give that space and the structure for uh, how we learn in our organizations. And we all know that, you know, we need to ask questions as leaders. So what does this look like? But asking questions allow us to uh, give space for people to learn. And uh, how can we be curious and have the humility to know that we don't have the answers for everything? And how do we give the space for people to explore? And again, this gets back to the concept of failure and mistakes. As people are learning, they may not have the answer right away. And so for us to have the patience to allow people to go through that learning process themselves, um, but that that is a much more powerful answer. I was kind of going back to that past experience for Mr. Yoshino as well uh, of, of going to the Gemba. And Mr. Yoshino didn't actually understand the, the importance of asking questions so much until he had a, a role a little bit later and he worked for a man he considered his most important mentor in his life. And just with the, how this man asked questions at all different levels of the organization. And even though Mr. Yoshino was like, this is the smartest guy I know. Why is he asking questions? Because it wasn't about his boss being the smartest guy. It was about developing learning capabilities in other people. Uh, and so uh, I have some tips for you later on that. I, I brought this one in because I haven't talked about this much before. And Mr. Yoshino, as uh, as you know from John Shook's Forward and Managing to Learn, is one of the people who taught him about A3 thinking. And Mr. Yoshino was part of this program called I mentioned earlier called ConPro. Uh, I won't go into all the details because it's a two-year-long intentional leadership development program that Toyota put in place in um, the late 1970s. Mr. Yoshino was a small group of people who was tasked with you know, sort of the internal organizational development group with with leading this program. And he considers it to be the reason that A3 thinking or the A3 format became the standard format for for communication across all of Toyota. So it's a really interesting genesis of what what we now know as A3 thinking. And 
he's always said that A3 thinking is not a A3 is not a magical tool. And even so, he this is the same boss he learned from about asking questions that sticking to the rule or exact format is not necessary um, for you to open up and communicate your thinking. And so I brought this in because we have so much focus on the West of how sort of lean and Toyota system has been translated. And we see often the tools and we hold really rigidly to those, the tools and the formats. And it's really not about that. And Mr. Yoshino even had that experience that it wasn't like we, they were putting out a specific format that had to be followed. There was a there was a structure, but if there was deviation from the structure, as long as the communication was there in a flow that made sense, that was more important. So not the lesson is don't be rigid on the tool but be looking at the principle that's underlying the tool. And are you teaching that? And is that coming across? Um, and so that's, that's what's way more important at Toyota. So sometimes in our lean world, we get way too caught up on the, on the tool and the format and, and a lot less on the principle. So uh, take it from the, the teacher of A3 thinking himself that it's not about the tool. Uh, oops, not forward, going forward. Oops. And then, it's always important to develop ourselves so we can be uh, to, to, to part of the development of a culture is developing ourselves as well. And in that, in that quote that Mr. Yoshino had the very first time I met him, he said, as I was developing John shook, I was aware I was developing myself as well. And so as people centered leaders in service of developing a people centered culture, we also have to always be improving ourselves um, as well, and how are we showing up for each individual person, and what are the challenges in front of us, and what are the things that are limiting for us, um, and can we have the humility to always be learners as well? So it's about never stopping learning and growing. And Yoshino has this great saying: "It's far better to know we still have to improve than to believe we know everything already." And to me, that sums up so much of what lean thinking is all about. It's not about us having the perfect or right answer; it's about moving towards that right answer. Answer, but having. Uh, it's about learning and helping other people move there as well. And that, uh, you know, I mentioned the boat, the boat experience, and it was really, really hard for Mr. Yoshino to talk about this, but he came, he came forward to saying, you know, failure isn't failure. If you learn something you could have never learned elsewhere. And so this, uh, the end of his career was really tough. Uh, wasn't the very last experience, but it was uh, an experience he even had a very hard time talking to me about. Uh, he'd always talked about the failed boat experience, but in the last, really in the last eight months, we've we dug into it so much more deeply and the richness of this experience came out. Um, and he had this sort of aha moment where he's, he would always look kind of ashen when talking about it because he, it was a big failure. Um, and he had this breakthrough and realized like the smile of like seeing things in a different light but really recognizing he's now learned some new things about his this failed experience. And he's really be able to bring that forward to other people to learn from as well about working in different cultures, about being a leader, about fail, failing and making mistakes as a leader. Um, you know, he taught Hoshin Conry for years. And the thing he attributes to his biggest failure as a leader was that he didn't do Hoshin Conry the way he knew he needed to do it because he felt like there were two, he felt under pressure from the operational standpoint. So um, but to know we can always grow and improve and, um, and keep learning and that developing others and helping others is really that pathway to help develop ourselves as well. So for developing this people centered culture, um, helping others uh, um, gives us encouragement to move on with ourselves. So I want to leave you with three, um, three things that I have found really helpful in developing myself uh, as a better leader and a better learner uh, and also what, what, how I coach other people. So this practice of what I call taking an intention pause has been really helpful in developing better and new habits of how I show up. So it's almost connecting with what my, my purpose is in that moment and aligning my actions. So sometimes we're running around um, from meeting to meeting. And sometimes we're, we're the boss who should be setting the direction, setting that target, which is much more of a telling type of situation. Other times we are there to help and support our people to um, solve the problems that are in front of them. And sometimes we're the problem owner ourselves. So how do we know what, what is our purpose in each of those different um, situations or interactions? And then what are the behaviors and actions that are actually going to uh, be aligned in that purpose? Do we need to be more telling or more asking? Um, is this a time where we need to have more nurture or more challenge? And so to really connect with uh, connect with our purpose helps us stay 
uh, connected in the moment for uh, of of how we should be showing up. And then, and I'm I'm a big teller, uh, or I used to be, and so I've I've had to work on this one a lot myself. So this is a weird animal. It's a wolf dressed up as a sheep. And often we think we're asking questions and maybe we're like, okay, that's great. I'm asking so many questions, but we're really not. We're telling because it's our, our question with a, with a, or our statement with a question mark on it. What if you tried my great idea? So if you could really change that question mark to an exclamation, you are telling, not asking. So really be aware of these fake questions, these leading questions. Uh, once I put some uh, focus to this, I was, surprised just out in the world, listening to the radio, interactions every day, how many leading questions we we put out there uh, in other people as well. If we can ask a shorter question that's really just starting with what or how um, that isn't leading, you are going to be more likely to be really supporting people in developing their thinking um, for the problems that they own as well. So I, I just, if you can only anchor on two words out of this, it's, well, I guess three, because one would be intention, but the other are what and how. So just, and if you see, catch yourself asking a, a leading question that could be answered yes or no, try and reframe it with something starting with what or how. And then the third is about, so you ask questions, we also need to listen. And listening is not just with your ears. So this is a drawings by Karen Ross that we use in our uh, K2C2 coaching communities uh, is a way to help other people practice these skills. But it's about listening with open ears, open eyes, uh, open mind, and an open heart. And so this goes back to connecting with with our purpose, and also not making assumptions, um, being uh, being open to what other people are saying and experiencing, and why video is so important as well in in our remote world, and not just being on the phone because we can see so much about how people are experiencing things that we don't um, if we're only listening. So uh, how, do we, how do we listen in all of these ways? And at the end of the day, really the only secret to Toyota is its attitude towards learning. And I would say its attitude towards people first before, before product. So the focus on people and the focus on learning is, is really the only secret sauce. All the tools, all the structures come out of, come out of this process. Uh, and it's about it's about this check adjust, this reflection, and then what are we going to do with that? So reflection's only in service to then taking action. So how can reflection not be the end, but the beginning of that next cycle of learning and practice? And so we can aim for being perfection, aim for that challenge, that that seemingly impossible goal and target, uh, but knowing that we need to learn. It's all about the learning process rather than the outcome, uh, and that learning's never perfect, and it's and it's never complete. And I'm having to remind myself, uh, Mark and I have talked a lot about this. Uh, books are never perfect and they're never complete. You just have to say it's, it's this moment in time. So I'm really excited for my final edits to be done in the next few weeks and for this book to come out to you all. Um, because then you can, it's, uh, I'm really excited for you to see more of Mr. Yoshino's stories in detail and, and come with that. So I'd like you to set your intention about one thing that you're gonna practice to improve as a leader in in service of developing a people-centered culture by helping people one by one to develop themselves. So if I I were with you in person, I'd give you a mini Daruma, but instead you can see me with mine, uh, my bigger head. So thank you so much. And I'm really looking forward to the questions here. Um, I'm putting this up always, you can get in touch with me. And um, the book, as Mark said, is available on pre-order. And we have an exciting announcement at the end, which I'll let Mark, uh, Mark take, uh, take on. So uh, thank you for letting me share some of the insights that I've learned from Mr. Yoshino, and I'm looking forward to some, some questions right now. Great. Thank you, Katie. Um, and so are, are we going to share that announcement? Um, Whenever you Q&A, want. After Q&A? <laughs> oh, we can do Wait. it after. Well, I'll do it after Q&A. Okay. Um, so I'm, 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 I'm going to intentionally ask a uh, leading question. I'm going to ask everyone, didn't you love that presentation? Which is very leading, but <laughs> there were a lot of uh, gems and insights there, and it, it's triggered a lot of um, questions and thoughts. So um, 
and we'll we'll we can flip back and forth um, between our Q and our, our Q and A slide and, and yours. Katie's. We'll make sure your contact info is up there. Okay. But do you want to do your first, sorry. or do you want to do you want to do your announcements first? Or yeah, do let's let's do announcements, and we'll okay. let um, questions um, come in. Great. So we want to let everyone know that, um, of course, the recording of this one will be available. Um, next upcoming webinars. If you are a Kinexus customer. The next training team office hours with Adam and Matt is going to be May 29th. And then our next webinar that's going to be open to all is going to be a little bit different format. We're going to have a virtual panel discussion. We're going to be joined um, by three people talking about real continuous improvement in virtual workplaces through uh, this necessity of working remotely and um, still having to help facilitate improvement. So we're going to be joined by um, Chris Burnham of Wright Medical, Tyler Clements of Accentech. They are both, um, their organizations are both Kinexus customers. And then we're also going to be joined by my friend Mohamed Saleh, who is going to be talking about some virtual Kaizen event work um, that he's done recently. So um, you can go and register for that um, today uh, after this session by going to kinexus.com slash webinars. And on that same page, you can find the webinar recording library. Um, if you go to blog.kinexus.com or find it in the menu, you can find um, our, our improvement blog. And then we have a separate customer blog that talks a little bit more about product updates and things like that. We also have a podcast. So the audio of today's um, session will show up in the podcast feed. Katie and I had done a short podcast as a preview of the webinar. And we share different types of content there. If you want to go to kinexus.com slash podcast, or you can find us in your favorite podcast directory or app. And so with that, um, it's your choice. If you want to go back to your slide with your contact info, Katie, that's sure. um, that's perfectly fine. So let's see. Awesome. Great. Uh, let's see. Um, so when is the book expected to be out? That's an easy one that you said July? Yeah, it's coming in July. The paperback uh, will be released mid-July, I believe July 15th, and then the Kindle e-version uh, two weeks after that. And the pre-order is available now. Unfortunately, due to pandemic issues, the Amazon's only, I think, supporting the pre-order for the uh, paperback in the US market and maybe a few others, but rest assured it will be available for distribution. Um, and then everyone can pre-order the ebook right now. Yeah. So there's a link, you can go directly to Amazon or there's a link on the book's website. Yeah, and we had a couple questions about the slides. They, they, we'll share a PDF of the slides. It'll come yep. in the follow-up email that yep. you'll get tomorrow. So um, there's a question here. Um, bonuses based on meaningless targets are a problem in hospitals then people shy away from challenges that are important or complex so they can get a bonus. What do you suggest about managing situations like this? Yeah, that's a great question. I was, um, for seven years, I was on the board committee for a hospital in my, my region. And I, this was the conversation we had a lot about, um, about compensation bonuses and, um, and how they, how the targets were set and were they, were they high enough? And, I don't have the right answer. I don't, or I don't have the answer to solve this problem, but I, I do see it as, uh, as a, as an, as an issue because it does. We it's setting the targets for what is achievable and not what is necessarily needed. Um, so I don't, I don't have the right answer for that, but it's a really important conversation to be having with the, with the hospital uh, leadership and also with the hospital's board about what kind of culture and environment do they wanna be creating? And that's one of the, uh, the actions that a board can helps, uh, help make to enable then that to be a, a better culture and in service of how we're, we're serving our patients. Yeah. Okay, thanks Katie. Um, we have another question here. When you say questioning is important, are there specific questioning techniques that you would recommend, like the concept of precision questioning. So that's I'm I'm not familiar with that yeah, one. So, or what, what, well, what other ones you recommend? So um, to me, it's all about going back to what's the what's the intent, and so often, or the you know, so what's our what's our purpose? And our purpose is to help someone else think about a question. It's not about leading them to an answer. 
there are so many different types of questions. Um, and I'd actually even be happy to, to share a, a questioning handout that I, I've created. So sometimes if people aren't being very sort of vague in general, asking questions about specificity is really helpful. Other times it's about help, helping people get clear on what is the problem they're trying to solve. Um, and other times there's questions about uh, the problem solving process or the, the, the relationship. So there are so many different types of questions, but it's about helping people getting clarity on what's the, what's the problem or what's the target, what's actually happening, what's the gap, and what are we going to do to um, experiment and try around that. And I always think target actual gap, um, what's the thinking, and that's the mm -hmm. mantra that I, that I go through. But it's really the, the distinction in my mind is uh, are we asking questions because it's what's going inside of our mind and where we're trying to get someone to go to, or are we showing up asking questions in service of what that person needs at the moment? Um, because we sometimes get hung up on, we stop listening because we're thinking of the perfect question that was maybe uh, important a few, a few statements before. Okay, another, uh, another question here. How do you balance the need for a direct answer versus the need to coach someone to discovery and learning? So maybe it's just to build on that. I know there are times when people will ask you as a coach or a consultant or whatever word you're using, they'll, they'll say, just tell me what you think I should do. So how would you redirect that or find that balance, Katie, in yeah, a situation like that? That's a great question. So um, coaching isn't just only asking open-ended questions. It's a continuum about seeing where that person is and how, do, how are you, uh, what, it, what is most helpful for them in the moment. However, we often jump towards being more, so being directive and teaching and telling is a, is a totally appropriate uh, coaching um, action to take based on where that person's at, if they're more of a novice or if they're truly stuck. But the thing is, a lot of times we assume people are more stuck than they really are, and they need a little space to uh, explore. So there, there, there are two things I would say. One is, is the person really stuck? Um, and you can see that with, are you seeing with open eyes and uh, open ears? If they're really stuck, you may need to say, you know, let me let me put let me put my teaching hat on, and I'm going to give you a scenario of how I might approach. Um, the process of going through the problem solving process, or, you know, they're, they're really stuck on how do you, how do you display data? Well, let me show you how you might display some data. So it's not necessarily giving them the, the answer, but giving them some process steps that can help them. Or like, I know that so-and-so has a lot of information on this. It might be helpful for you to go talk to that person. Okay. So I'm going to put my coaching hat back on now. Um, what next steps are you going to take? When can we come back together and explore what you're learning? So it's going on that continuum, but la labeling what you're doing. And um, sometimes just staying in that open questioning does more harm than good. Like if, if people are really stuck, just asking open-ended questions is actually then not in alignment with your purpose in that moment, which is to help them move forward in their process. So it's about, it's about constantly assessing that, but we assume too often people are stuck and need us to tell them what, um, tell them what the answer is or what to do. So I try and um, give more answers on structure rather than answers on the answer. Yeah. So another question here. Um, have you talked to Mr. Yoshino recently? Does he have any lessons from the COVID crisis or thoughts about that? Uh, so yeah, we've, we've been talking a lot. We have our weekly, weekly calls. Um, you know, I, his lessons in, about COVID are, are mainly about, he, he's in the same situation. So he's a lecturer at a university, 76 years old. Uh, he and I actually have sp spent a lot of time doing technical troubleshooting together. I've been helping him learn how to, how to use Zoom and WebEx and, you know, all of those things. But he's been experimenting and, um, and figuring out how to be in a more virtual world for its, both its benefits and its, um, its not. So the, no, no incredible insights from him. Although uh, I was, I've been emailing with him this week about Mr. Toyota's comments. And I know that John Shook and Jim Womack came out with an article today um, in response to that, which I haven't had a chance to read. So I'll be curious, Mr. Yoshino's comments versus theirs. And I'm, I'm planning on writing a blog post about, about it. So stay tuned on that. Okay. And, and in a nutshell, um, I, I saw a headline about Akio Toyota's comments about the need to rethink things was, I think, some of the gist of it. Can you, yeah. what's your synopsis from, from. Oh, yeah. So I, uh, I, I can it, give you a few, a few comments. Spot, I haven't said, I actually haven't had a chance to like oh, organize okay. all my, um, all my thinking about it. Sure. Um, 
you know, one of my takeaways from what Akio Toyota was saying is, you know, we can't, it, it was really about, we, we need to look at things as principles, not, a, it goes back to Mr. Yoshino's comment. It doesn't, it's not about the, the rigidity of the tool. So he made a comment that was taken by a newspaper about um, Genchi Gembutsu, which is the, the go to Gemba, go see comment that, you know, in our virtual, more virtual world now, maybe we need to rethink what does go see look like. So it's not that the go see principle is no longer valid, but it's the how we go see. So the practice of it needs to potentially change, which is, which is so true. Um, and then I was reading in more detail just yesterday and uh, thinking about a few things that I, and one of which I mentioned was that Akio Toyota was saying that, uh, and I'm, I'm, totally paraphrasing from my, my memory of this, but that the mission of Toyota needs to be about people's happiness. Uh, and I was really struck by that he truly has learned um, from the Inna Foods chairman, who is just this beautiful man who's also in his 80s, who I was supposed to be with last week in, in Japan, and how he founded his company on that mission. And, and, and Toy Mr. Toyota and the senior executives have, of Toyota have been visiting and talking with him and he considers him a sensei. So I, I thought that was a nice, a nice combination of, of learning there. Um, but more, more to come, I need to do more reflection and sort of synthesize my, my thinking on um, Mr. Toyota's comments as well. Okay. Um, so there's a, a, a good question here and I'll frame it um, riff for a second because you know, I think the, the story you told was really powerful about the paint shop and the mistake and the leader saying, I'm sorry, I'm paraphrasing it back, but I'm sorry we didn't set you up for success. I'm sorry we made yeah. it too easy for that mistake to occur. Thank you for pointing that out. Like it would be really, I wish that would happen. Like, you know, that conversation I don't think happens in hospitals when similar situation of a wrong medication is given, the, the packaging looked the same, chaotic environment. I don't know if there are many healthcare leaders who would be apologizing to the employee for that. Um, but then the question that came in, um, I think is an interesting one looking at situations like that. When you talk about leaders taking responsibility in terms of supporting people, how do you stop this from becoming people saying, well, it's all the manager's fault? It, mm -hmm. it seems like teams might not take ownership of things. How, how would you, what, what, are your, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that's a really, uh, that's a great question and, and love to have some dialogue with you on this too, Mark. Um, you know, I, I think I made a comment that it, it couldn't, we don't want it to then be all just the, oh, it's the manager's responsibility and punting it up the line. But, you know, there, there's, you have to take some personal responsibility, but there is also some organizational responsibility. So, um, I think maybe I talk more about the, the failed boat business. So Mr. Yoshino had a lot of things that he didn't do well as a manager, um, that he, that he reflects on. But it wasn't solely his responsibility. The management also, uh, there were some organizational things that weren't right too. So um, it was a shared responsibility. So if you go back to the paint, the paint, yes, there's, you know, there just wasn't any standard work for Mr. Yoshino to follow. So how, how was he able to be successful? Um, so then if they put together some standard work and labeled the, 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 you know, the, the workplace better, and then he still wasn't following that, then there is some responsibility in management for himself. But um, yeah, I, don't, I, I think that's a really important question. And there has to be some personal responsibility. And maybe that's also where it goes between management and leadership as well. What do you think, Mark? Well, I mean, I think, you know, there's, there's a balance to be found. Um, you know, I think, you know, Daryl Wilburn, who's, you know, um, an American who worked for Toyota a long time in, in Kentucky and uh, in San Antonio, you know, it always, uh, I've heard him say many times, you know, a leader's responsibility is to um, create a process in which people can be successful. Yes. And I think that phrase like is not so absolute as to say it's all management's fault. Like to me, there's a balance where yes, leaders need, like leaders are responsible for the system. That's a, an idea that goes back to Deming. It goes back, I'm sure, further than that. But leaders are most responsible for the system. But creating that good system doesn't guarantee success. It doesn't mean people have no role to play in making that system better and more error-proofed. 
So, you know, I think, I think there's that balancing act. We don't want people, um, you know, and I think, look, in, in healthcare, nobody wants to make errors. So I wouldn't worry oh. about people becoming flippant and say, well, I, I don't care because I won't be punished. Like that, that's not going to happen. No, I, I think if we have the mindset that for the most part, people come to work wanting to do the right thing. So how can we help enable that system uh, and, and that to, to enable people to, to show up that way? Yeah. So we have some other um, questions and, you know, I think Katie, we, maybe we can do like a, a podcast or you know yeah. format or something to follow up some of the other Q and a, um, but do you want to share the special offer for people who are still here? Yes. Great. So Mark and I have teamed up to uh, we're doing a giveaway for the next week for people who have watched the uh, either us live or the recording over the next week to enter into winning a uh, free copy of, we're gonna do two free copies of the book. Uh, if you're in the US, you can choose to do a pre-order of the paperback or ebook. And if you're in a region that's only offering the ebook right now, we'll um, pre-order you the ebook copy. So I will put it in the email that you'll get from Mark, you'll get a link to that. So just uh, enter enter the contest and in a week we'll, uh, we'll announce the winners. So it's really, I'm excited to get the book into all of your hands. And then, of course, love it if you pre-order uh, the book as well, for those of yeah. you who don't. Is, is there a link that you can share in the chat? Um, I hadn't teed up the link. Um, let me, why don't I get out of my share screen and I will come sure. up in a moment. Ah, yeah. One moment. Sorry about that. I thought no, that. That's right. That was a miscommunication. I thought you were sending that out in the email. So. Oh, okay. Well, that will be in the follow-up email. So let, let's, okay, okay, let's just address it that way. Sorry. Sorry. No problem. So, yeah, um, that will come out in the follow-up email from people. So there, there were so many uh, comments and questions coming in. I've got to manage how to. Yeah, we'll figure out. That's great. Learn. Mark and I on your, on, uh, we can do, a, we can do a podcast in, uh, yeah, we can, yeah. We can figure it out. Uh, but I need to better manage. I'm looking at these and then I'm, I'm, I'm distracted. And no, I know it's so hard to facilitate and uh, talk at the same, we're, <laughs> at the we're, same we're time. figuring out a process on, on the fly here, but um, maybe, maybe one last question here. Okay. Um, I mean, there are so many good questions here. Oh, here we go. So um, who leads the leader? What, what can you do if your boss is not helping develop you what what can you do? Where should you look for your own development if they're not seeing their role is as one of developing you? Right. So, I mean, at, at the very end of the day, no no one can develop you except yourself. So, I, uh, I would take it as some. There are a lot of things you can do on your own, which is you know listening to podcasts, do, seeking seeking out knowledge. You can also find people who can be play that role of coach for you. Uh, um, either colleagues or friends, or even seeking out um, someone to to play, you know, to ask you questions. How do you partner with people? So there's there there are many different ways you can seek out coaching and development uh, that isn't reliant just on your leader being the coach. And then I'd encourage you to think about you know who how how are you then sort of paying it forward to other people. Uh, if you are not having, I, it's sort of a plug also, I'd, I'd love to invite you to join our um, K2C2, Katie and Karen's coaching communities. Uh, we have a right size pricing model. So even if you can't pay anything or pay, pay what you can, and it's a really great collaborative community to develop yourself. We talk about a lot of these, uh, these skills, but it's also a community to help support you and um, as you, as you learn and develop too. So the next one's starting a week in two weeks. So um, come join us and check that out. All right. So Katie, thank you for a wonderful presentation today and for everything you've shared. Congratulations on the book. Thank you. Almost I'm, being across the I know. There's still, it's a little, little known secret that many people don't know. The book's out on the cover for pre-order, but there's still work happening inside. So uh, it's not done from my perspective yet. I'm excited for it to be out. Yeah. So, so I would encourage everyone to go on Katie's website, kbjanderson.com where you can learn um, more about um, these different opportunities um, and, and things that Katie does and shares. A lot of thank yous coming in, um, Katie, and I'll pass along. We, we're going to have these other comments and questions we'll extract and figure out what to do with. I would ask everybody, please do fill out uh, the survey. You should get prompted, I think, when you leave the webinar. It's going to direct you. Here's a process improvement we made. Last time, we tried using a Google form 
And I think a lot of people's organizations block that. So we're now prompting you to go to a page on kinexus.com where you can fill out a similar feedback survey and um, share your thoughts and feedback there. So on behalf of the entire Kinexus team, I uh, want to thank Katie for doing uh, sharing your time and thoughts and reflections here. Thank you to everybody who tuned in. We actually had record registration and record attendance today. <laughs> so um, thank you to everybody who joined and we'll see everyone. Yeah, thanks. I'm supposed to say see you Kai next time, which is kind oh. of I don't feel <laughs> I always feel awkward and self-conscious saying that. Maybe for good reason, but Katie, we'll we'll see you soon, I hope. Bye everyone. Thanks. Looking forward to next time. <laughs>